Radiodrome. Welcome to Radiodrome. Brad is, I don't know, Brad's out doing something, right, Brian? He's somewhere, I, I, I don't know. I think he just forgot or he blew us off, I'm not sure. <laughs> that lazy son of a... Well, as you can hear, Brian Lewis is with me. Say hello, Brian. Hello, Brian. Really? That's like the fourth time you've used that joke. Come up with something different. No, no, it's, uh, I, I think if I keep doing it, it'll be a running gag. Like, it'll really catch on, I think, maybe like the sixth or seventh time. Oh, Adult Swim-style humor. Exactly. I, I just I have to beat it into you first. Like, eventually it was like, oh, all right, it's got to be funny. He keeps saying it. I don't know. Then, since you think you're such a funny smartass, do the Adam and Eve promo. Hey, look at that. Um, uh, my notes. Um, shuffling papers. Um. Is it terrible that we've done this so many times and I, I cannot remember it? Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, and you get 50% off of a single item. Not one, not two, but three free DVDs, free shipping in the United States, and a free mystery gift, all from ordering from adamandeve.com and using the promo code DROME. There. I've done it so many times within the three shows, I could do this in my sleep. That, that's probably true. Like, you just, like, you crank that, you got that great radio voice for it, though, so, I mean, it's, it, you know, it works. No, see, Brad has the better radio voice, but he can never remember the promo. <laughs> He's like, I, I don't know, you, you get some stuff, I don't, just uh, type it in, it's a uh, drome or something. Brian, he has never done the promo, because every time I've asked, he's like, I, I don't remember. <laughs> you know, we're into the numbers of 80s here, and he's never done the Adam and Eve promo before. <laughs> Well, to be fair, like, for a while there, when I first came on the show, like, I actually wrote it down because I'm like, eventually Josh is going to ask me this. And uh, that post-it is now nowhere to be found. Oh, yeah, convenient. (laughs) Convenient truth, maybe. Come on. Tell me if you've ever had this experience. I've had DirecTV since, since back when, you remember Prime Star? Oh, yeah. I used to be a Prime Star customer, and then when they went out of business, DirecTV bought them. So I've been a DirecTV customer since they swallowed Prime Star. That's got to be a good 15 years at least at this point. I went to I went to bed the other day at 7 a.m. Everything was working just fine. I was watching A Married with Children on TBS. So then I wake up at about 3.30, 4 in the afternoon, and everything is searching for satellite signal. And even when I click on the guide, the only channels that come up are all the Mexican language channels. I'm going, all right, this is not normal. So I have two receivers. So I said, all right, let's go to the basement, see what the other receiver is doing. Exactly the same thing. I'm like, all right, starting to get weird. So I call DirecTV. They've never heard of this problem. I actually am now a new notation in DirecTV for having had this issue. So that makes me <laughs> feel a little bit special. They've never encountered this. I had to reset both boxes. Now, here's the thing. They still cannot explain why it defaulted to the Mexican language channels only. I mean, even if I typed in the HBO channel 501, it would just default to whatever the closest Mexican channel was to that. They can't figure out why it did this to both boxes. Is that weird, Brian? I have no idea why. And just that it would be so so divided like that. Like, nope, he just wants, like, Univision. Just, just give him a lot of Univision. Give him Trace, you know. And the the menus were still in English. So it's not like it defaulted, you know, the language I'm reading into Spanish. It just went to all the Spanish channels. And it's like, 
this is the strangest. I've had glitches on DirecTV before. Never like that. Well, maybe it's trying to tell you you need to get a little more uh, cultured. I don't know. <laughs> nah. Do, do you speak Spanish, just as a, out of curiosity here? No. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even be able to go to Taco Bell and order it in Spanish. <laughs> it, 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 just it, say, un taco, por favor. No, no, no. It, remi- it reminds me of Homer Simpson. Um, uh, How do you say taco? Taco. Yes, that's the word I want to translate. How do you say taco? Taco. Oh, we're going to be here all night. All right, tonight I want to I want to talk a little bit about movies that you missed the first time around. You you kind of go, how in the hell did I not see this in 1981 or whatever it is? Because I just encountered one of those that I can't believe I've never seen. So I want to know, what is one of yours of that, that you found now as an adult that maybe was out when you were a kid and would have totally been up your alley, but for whatever reason, you ended up missing this? Well, actually, a great example of that uh, is uh, back from a few weeks back when we were doing the show, and you found out that uh, I'd never seen Prince of Darkness. I don't know how I'd never watched that one, especially since it was in the middle of like a great run of Carpenter movies, but I just never watched I literally watched it for the first time like a month ago. And what did you think, by the way? I love it. I've seen it like three times since then. <laughs> Was I right about that ending, that last 30 seconds being creepy as hell when you see the altered transmission from the future? Absolutely. Jesus. I, 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 and I realized, like, the first time that broadcast uh, plays during the, uh, the movie, I'm like, holy crap, I have heard this like a dozen times before. I just didn't know what it was from. I didn't realize it was, like, sampling the movie. What was creepier to you, the little bits that you got during the dream sequences or the final altered version after the changes that they've made? Uh, honestly, I, I, like the, the, the first time it happens and the last time are like the, the, the two best for me. Because like, the first time it's just so sudden because all of a sudden it's like, what the hell am I seeing? And like it kind of gets a little close and you can't really see. And you just barely see like a shadow in the, in the church doorway and you're like... What the hell? Well, nope, he's awake now. Oh, what the hell did I just? But yeah, and then that altered version at the end, like that was just, that was good. And especially like just everything about the the ending there was just beautiful. I just wish they hadn't have given a year. I wish they wouldn't have said from the future of 1999. I wish they would have just said this is a transmission from the future because it just setting it in 99 dates it so badly. I think. I mean, I, I I can let that go. I mean, there there have been so many movies now that have gone to the far future of the year 2000 well, like like movies like strange days i really don't remember the uh the millennium celebration being that weird are there any other movies that you've discovered that you kind of what the, how did i miss this I'm trying to think of ones off just like immediately off the top of my head uh well while you're thinking I, then then cuz i don't want to put you too on the spot have you ever seen the 1981 michael crichton movie looker uh, no. No, I haven't. Neither have I. I first heard about it earlier today. I looked at the trailer, and it looks amazing. How did I miss this in 81? Or or even subsequent through my high school years or after? How have I never seen Michael Crichton's Looker? I can't, I can't answer that too much, considering how I've, like, just now, this is the first time I've even heard the title. <laughs> I had a friend who, a couple of years ago, when, when I worked with him at the TV station... I loaned him They Live and Brazil, and he was blown away by both of them. And he's only a couple of years younger than me, and he'd never encountered either of those movies before. 
And I'm like, really? Brazil and they live? I never considered those obscure enough to have been missed by a sci-fi fan. <laughs> to be honest, I, I've never actually gotten around to watching Brazil. I have it in my instant queue. It's been sitting there for like three years now. <laughs> I will I, I will say this about Brazil. All pretension aside, I think that is the best film ever made. It's up there with Citizen Kane and Network for me. As that is, this is what film was made for, is Brazil. That's probably in my top five all-time best movies ever. Yeah, I've always heard nothing but positive things, but I just, I don't know. It's like, it's just one of those, like, in I've ever gone watch it, it's been like, like flipping through things like, well, I can watch Brazil. Or I could watch, like, Bloodhook. Sure, let's do that. That sounds like crap. Well, Brazil is, in a good way, an endurance test because it, it, it is a comedy to a degree. You know, it's more of a satire. But it does require the audience to pay attention and be intelligent. You can't just have on Brazil in the background while you're playing a game on your iPhone and still be able to follow the story. So it does require a little bit more of the audience. Where mm-hmm. Bloodhook, I'm going to guess, probably doesn't. <laughs> not, not, not really. <laughs> Being a heavy metal fan, I can't believe I never saw. It's called Incident at Channel Q. It's a movie that is probably never going to get a DVD release due to all the music licensing issues. Okay, remember back when MTV was first up and coming in the really early 80s and all the local channels had their own like half-hour, hour-long music video programs? Yeah, yeah. This is one of those, but he's playing heavy metal videos, actual Motley Crue and Twisted Sister videos in the movie, and they show them, because this was a very low-budget movie, so they eat up about a quarter of the runtime with just the music videos, and it gets all controversial, and the town wants to tear down the TV station because it's immoral and blah, blah, blah. I can't believe I'd never seen it before. And it's likely to never get a DVD release, like I said, because of all the music videos that they show. They're, they're never going to be able to clear all those licenses again. And, like, I just found out about one, which I haven't seen, that sounds really funny. It's a Stephen Tebolowski movie from 1988 called Two Idiots in Hollywood. I think I've heard that title before, but I, I, I don't think I've seen it. Supposedly it's a satire of Hollywood, obviously, where these two idiots from Ohio go to Hollywood to become big, and one of them gets he gets tried for murder, and the other one gets famous becoming a TV producer, producing Pac-Man, the live-action TV series. And it sounds funny! Never heard of it before today. I like the idea of a live-action Pac-Man. That, that, that seems like it has legs. No pun Unlike intended. Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. no, sorry, I sorry, see what Pac-Man. you did there. I saw what you did there. I forgot he's a quadruple amputee. Well, I don't know. He doesn't seem to have stubs. It looks like he just wasn't born with them. Unless you go by the cartoon. They had arms and legs in the cartoon. Didn't he have, like, some bitchin' red boots? Yeah, he, he well, Miss Pac-Man, he had a dog, and I actually liked the cartoon. So, can you think of any other movies that you encountered, say, with, say through Brad, that you, you think you should have encountered back in, say, high school? Not counting E.T. the porno. <laughs> God, I wish I'd seen that back in the day. Or Super Horneo Brothers. <laughs> Again, God, I wish I'd seen that back in the day. No, um, actually, one uh, one good example is uh, the first uh, Sleepaway Camp. I knew of it, but I didn't really like. It was always one of those like I'd seen on on like the the rental shelf, but just 
for whatever reason, it just never took me. I think honestly because of the uh, the really terrible looking covers on the uh, the sequels. I actually and, thought that one sequel cover with the 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 bag with uh, Freddy's glove and Jason's mask and a chainsaw in it. I thought that was actually rather clever. Well, I I kind of like it in uh, in retrospect, but like at the time being, you know, the uh the the genius uh know-it-all uh junior high kid that I was, you know, knowing all about these things, saw that and thought, "How dare they take these things that I like and use them to sell their movie? It's probably terrible." Uh which to be fair, um it, it is, it yes. Is. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I was judging a book by its cover. But uh, but yeah. So because of that, I just I never really thought to even get invested in any of the series. And uh, yeah, it was maybe like uh, about a year, year and a half ago was actually the first time I actually sat down and watched it. The, the first one is kind of corny as it is. Like I really enjoyed it, and like the 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 ending of it, I thought was just. I mean, it's bizarre and stupid but like that still frame like that whole like ending uh like the the breathing and everything I'm like this is genuinely one of the scariest moments i've seen in a movie like that is just legitimately creepy i i literally like that that was a twist that got me even though the movie has been out since like i've been 80? alive didn't that come out in 80 81 yeah i, I came out in 83 so okay <laughs> I keep for Jesus. I'm seven years older than you. Eight years older than you. God, I'm an old soul, Josh. <laughs> you better be. <laughs> I'm 18. I promise. Well, and then have you ever encountered a movie that y- you saw maybe like at three in the morning on cable in 1988, and you just kind of eh, you know, you maybe maybe you even missed the title card, so you never even knew what it was called. For those younger listeners, we didn't have on-screen guides back then. We couldn't just click to see the name of a movie if they didn't tell us. Oh Lord, no, no! You had to like, like read old TV guides was like, like trying to decipher cryptograms. Yeah, and so have you ever run into one of those and you you totally forgot about it, and then you're just going and renting, or you catch a movie on HBO and all of a sudden it goes, "Oh my God, that's that movie!" Yeah, actually, uh, the uh, w- uh which one was it? Uh, the Abyss. I think I saw that movie about three times before I ever saw the first 15 minutes to know what the hell it was. The James Cameron Abyss? Yeah. Okay. I'm sheltered. Sue me. <laughs> no, seriously, it was just one of those, like, I just never really paid attention whenever it was actually out, and, you know, it kind of hit HBO, and I'd seen it through, like, a few times, but I I legitimately just never actually caught it when it was actually starting. So I had no idea the movie even began for the longest time. I was like, I don't know, they're in the water doing something, Pfft, whatever. My big one of those is The Visitor from 1979 with John Huston, Lance Henriksen, Mel Farrar, Glenn Ford, Shelley Winters, Joanne Nail, Paige Connor, Franco Nero as Space Jesus. That's one of those <laughs> movies I caught at like 3 a.m. on some local channel and I forgot about it. And then in the pre-DVD days, I'm looking through the VHS section of a local used store, and the the cover is is an eyeball holding a bloody garrote over a city that's being struck by lightning. And by the way, there's absolutely nothing whatsoever like that in the film, but it's a very, very striking image. The back of the box didn't have... You you remember the the back on those low-budget VHS boxes where they didn't even have photos on the back? 
Oh yeah, like half of it was just taken up with like a cast listing. Yeah, so I didn't even see a photo, so I figured it's a dollar. I'll buy it. I'll get it home. After about five minutes, I did that. This is that movie I saw four years ago. Holy sh! This is that one. Now I finally have a title. I finally have a name for this movie that still makes absolutely no sense at all. And hey, speaking of the abyss, now Brad and I talked about this once, but this was long ago, so even even regular listeners might forget about it. But I have in my hands here an HBO and Cinemax cable guide for the month of September 1990. Random crap. Where do where do you shop? <laughs> uh, I I found this at my mom's house between two old LPs. <laughs> I was you I mean, was go I was going through and trying to pick out you know oh maybe she's got an old Beatles album or something and this was stuck between a couple of LPs. It probably just fell back there and it, my mom probably threw the others away. And by the way, I've looked these things up on eBay. Some of these guides can go for fifty bucks a piece on eBay. Good lord. This is the month The Abyss is premiering. Exclusive. <laughs> premieres September 1st. Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, Michael Bean in The Abyss. <laughs> How in the hell? <laughs> so, some of the others. Exclusive. Well, if, I, if I just had that. <laughs> Here we go. This will send you back in time. Exclusive. Premieres September 2nd. Lethal Weapon 2. Ooh, I wonder what happens in this one. I just love the fact that it's a premiere. And we've also got Penn and Teller Get Killed was on that month. Oh, no. Casualties of War with Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox. Millennium, the Chris Chris Offerson Cheryl Ladd movie, that creepy futuristic one. Oh, yeah, with the, 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 with the plane. Yeah. We got, ooh. The comeback continues. Heavyweight boxing live September 22nd. Mike Tyson versus Alex Stewart. Top 10 ranked contender. (laughs) Oh, man. Brian, Dream On was still in new episodes. Oh, God, I missed that show. A new episode every Sunday. Watch that. And then, like, the Larry Sanders show starring Gary Shandling. (laughs) that That was, like, the glory days. Like, I loved that point. I mean, this is just creepy to look through this. Uh, do you remember the Wizard of Oz cartoon? Uh, Yeah, only because I watched it all the time. God, I love that series. A new episode every Sunday morning. 
Sweet. Watch that after Encyclopedia Brown. I, uh, that's the next thing. Encyclopedia Brown Boy Detective. That's on the, that's on the same page. And then it's we, like oh, you're reading my childhood here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and they had Submarine Heroes Month on Cinemax. We had The Abyss, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Lords of the Deep, Leviathan, World Without Sun, Fantastic Voyage, The Enemy Below, and Hellcats of the Navy with Ronald Reagan. Man, they don't do marathons like this anymore, do they? No, any marathons they do anymore are just like so generic. Just like, oh, we're marathoning this one show or, oh, here's like like the sci-fi channels. Here's all these terrible movies we made this year. Ooh, Full Moon Madness on Cinemax. The Horror Show, It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive, Shadow Zone, Happy Birthday to Me, and To Die For. It's pretty cool, it's like, I kind of feel like, like the cable channels wouldn't even show movies like this anymore, like of, of that kind of ilk, you know? No, they won't. I, I mean, you're never going to see an It's Alive movie on cable <laughs> now, or, or Happy Birthday to Me with uh, Melissa Sue Anderson. Coming up at 9 on Showtime, Basket Case. Well, here we got Western Roundup, The Indians, Flaming Star starring Elvis Presley, Umbrace, War Party, Broken Arrow, not the John Travolta movie, and White Feather. Ooh, Cinemax Saturday Night at the Drive-In, Brian. Ooh, Easy Wheels, Under the Gun, Lethal Weapon 2, Blood Fist, and Chuck Norris in Forced Vengeance. Nice. These are some great marathons. Like I kind of just like I want to do these. Like I just want to grab these movies and just watch those back to back now. Oh, just wait. You're gonna love this one. HBO Late Night, Black Eagle, The Brain, Not of This Earth, Deadly Friend, and Puppet Master. Because like I remember, like like yeah, that, like that was always one of the big things. Like I loved uh, growing up. Like especially like like uh, usually they did them on like either like a Friday or a Saturday. Because I'd usually be over uh, a friend of mine's house, and we would just do this all night. Like we'd just watch horror movies all night. But yeah, they'd be like, throw it on like you know HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, one of the big ones. And it was always like, it's like all night. It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna show like you know Carnosaur two and three, and then like Candyman. And it was just like these fun little runs of like these great you know horror flicks. Well, and then and then as you got into the the later ninety, well into the middle of the nineties. If you had the movie channel, you had drive-in theater with Joe Bob Briggs. I really wish I had had that channel. I had to wait till he was on TNT. Hey, Brian, I've got mm. about 100 episodes of drive-in theater on tape. Movies, host segments, everything. I'm just going to drive up to your house and just spend days in your basement. If you're willing to buy a couple of spindles of DVDs and cover the shipping, I'm more than happy to make copies. I will see what I can do, my friend. <laughs> Love me some Joe Bob. Well, I, I, dude, I have two full hundred count spindles of Monster Vision. Good God! I'm a big hey, Joe Bob fan. I'm sorry. Yeah, you were telling me that like once before. I think like you got like basically everything he's done. Oh no, I'm still missing quite a bit. Monster Vision went on for almost ten years, man. I'm still missing a ton I, of Monster Visions. It went on for ten years, and that still was not long enough. I I still miss that show to this day. I remember early in my marriage forcing my wife. She wanted to go out on a Saturday night, and it's like, uh, Monster Vision's on. We're not <laughs> so going we're not out. Going we're not going anywhere. We're sitting and watching The Wraith and The Gate. <laughs> There's a double feature for you. <laughs> Here we got 
Friday after dark on Cinemax. The happy hooker goes to Washington. Taking it all off, Baby Cat and Wild and Beautiful on Ibiza. Baby Cat? <laughs> I don't know. It's the September 14th, 22nd, 27th. I don't know. I never heard of that one. Hold on. I, I got to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't give a year, so... It, but, but if it's a Skinamax flick, eh, it's from 1990, so check, you know, late 80s to 1990. I'm sure there'll be a whole lot of entries for Baby, baby cat. cat. Is that one word or two? Two. Ooh, parents. Uh, uh, one one result from 1983. Oh, wow. Well, so that was a seven-year-old movie at the time. Uh, let's see here. Oh, it's got a 3.2. That sounds promising. Anyone uh, remarkable starring in it? Uh, starring, uh, Julie Margot as Baby Cat. Um, maybe I'm not up on my Skinamax, but I don't know who Julie Margot is. Uh, it sounds like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a French flick. That'd be why. It's the life of a Parisian photo model who turns into a nightmare when the photographer with whom she uses, uh, to work begins, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, it just sounds like one of those... Sounds like an Emmanuel ripoff, really. Yeah, it, it sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, here on Cinemax, we have Richard Pryor Month. Richard Pryor, live on the Sunset Strip, The Toy, Stir Crazy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and JoJo Dancer, Your Life is Calling. See, again, like I even feel like, like they wouldn't even do that these days. Like th- There would never be a time... That they would just do a Richard Pryor marathon. I don't even know that there'd be a time when they'd really do a Richard Pryor movie, unless like it's like three in the morning. They're like, ah, I don't know, Brewster's Million. Can we put that on? Is there anything else we need to do? Well, here, here's some interesting ones. Thrillers on Cinemax: The Eyes of Laura Mars, Silkwood, Miracle Mile, The Jigsaw Murders, and Seasons of Fear. God, they don't like, show movies like this anymore. Yeah, again, I'm like, I just really want to watch that. Because, <laughs> like, I remember, like, probably the last time I, I had, uh, like, any of the premium channels was back around, uh, t- t- like, 2002, 2003. And uh, e- even at that point, I mean, a lot of the s- stuff they they had on was just nothing really, like, unique. Like, it was just the same stable of movies just kind of it's like oh is it thursday again oh we're watching this one again oh it's oh it's monkey bone again hey guys it's monkey bones on the tv again and it, it was just never anything unique it yeah it was it just it felt like the kind of movies that would be on tv uh whereas like yeah like the, these old ones here you know late 80s early 90s like it was just kind of if it existed, it seemed like they would show it. Like I saw so many bizarre movies and weird movies that I, I just I, like ninety percent of them I don't think would ever be on TV these days unless it was like some sort of specialty channel. Well, just wait. Here we have Cinemania on Cinemax. How I Got into College, Twister, Friends, Lovers, and Lunatics, The Big Bus, and Daffy Duck's Quackbusters world premiere. Oh my god, I love that! <laughs> I haven't seen that in like okay. To be fair, I watched it maybe like two years ago, but before that, it had been a while. <laughs> and then, ooh, HBO Double Feature Fridays: Tom Berenger Night, Fear City, and Last Rites. Then the next week, September fourteenth, we have Action Pack, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Dead Bang. Comic Capers: We have Feds and Caddyshack Two, 
And out of time, out of place, we have The Abyss and Millennium. It, is it terrible to assume that, like, even now, like, unless it was, again, like, Comedy Central at some weird time of day, I don't know that I would ever see Caddyshack 2 on television. Yeah, I don't think HBO was ever going to show Caddyshack 2 again. Not that it deserves it, because it's a piece of crap, but... Well, yeah, but yeah, I, I remember, though, like, that, that was, again, one of those, like... When I was growing up, like, I remember that thing was on there, like, all the time. Like, there actually, there was a point, and actually this kind of goes back to the, the first uh, the first subject we're talking about, is that I had seen Caddyshack 2 probably half a dozen times before I ever thought to myself, you know what, this is a sequel, there's got to be a first one. Hey, I got fooled with Leonard Part 6. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I legitimately, for a little while, was wondering where Parts 1 through 5 were, were and how did someone Bill Cosby size slip these movies past me? I love that movie. I, I get a lot of flack from people for liking that, but I love that movie. I have, I honestly like, I, I have a, an unopened even Bill Cosby original. doesn't like it. and He directed it. That's why I need to get him to sign it. I, I've got an unopened original box of it. Like it literally, <laughs> like it, it still has like the the tear off on the bottom. This thing has never been opened it is never like no one has ever watched this vhs and i love that (laughs) and i love the fact like i i bought it at like uh like elevation army or something i'm like how is this thing like someone bought this had it apparently eventually got rid of it it sat here and then eventually i bought it and yeah it's this thing has existed for all these years and yet no one has even touched this tape i i really have to find bill cosby so i can have him sign that or punch me i don't know one of the two i actually i had a dust devil the richard stanley movie i had one of those that i found at a goodwill that was still factory still had the factory shrink wrap on it you know it had like the little mgm or, or miramax or whatever company released it you, you know how it was actually imprinted on the on the shrink wrap yeah it still had that on it that had never been broken and whatnot and i'm kind of like i don't know do i open it i, I eventually opened it but that was that was a fight for a little while Oh, I, I still have my mint <laughs> Leonard Part 6. <laughs> and here we got, hey, on HBO, the Monday main event, The Mighty Quinn, True Believer, Child's Play, and Physical Evidence. You're never going to see True Believer with James Woods with that horrible 80s yuppie ponytail again. You're never going to see that on TV. You just see him with all his other horrible yuppieisms. About Last Night, Altered States, The Big Bus, The Abyss, Broken Arrow... Captive Hearts, Daffy Ducks, Quackbusters, Crocodile Dundee 2, Casualties of War, Criminal Justice, Fire with Fire, Easy Wheels, Friends, Lovers, and Lunatics, The Guide for the Married Man, The Flight of the Phoenix, High Spirits, Iron Triangle, Inside the NFL, The Jigsaw Murders, How to Steal a Million, Miracle Mile, Lethal Weapon 2, Mahogany, My Favorite Year, Miss Firecracker, Penn and Teller Get Killed, News to Us, Parents, The Rainbow, Richard Pryor, Slaves of New York, See No Ever, Hear No Evil, Seasons of Fear, Stephen Wright Stand-Up Special, Somebody Has to Shoot the Picture, War Party, Twister, Two for the Road, To Die For, Wonderful World of Oz. And coming in October, Brian, do you want to guess what was coming in October? God, I can't even think what would be on there. RoboCop 2? I, I don't even remember when that was put out. Exclusive, Next of Kin, starring Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Ooh. Also exclusive, In Country, starring Bruce Willis and Emily Lloyd. Plus, first and ten, new season, new episodes. <laughs> also coming in October, the back cover, exclusive, Black Rain, Michael Douglas, Andy Garcia. 
Oh my god, I haven't seen that movie since I think it came out originally. <laughs> <laughs> but now, for those listeners that are too young, that's what cable pay cable used to be like. And for those that remember it, I bet we just took you back in time. I, I remember like so often like looking through like like the TV guys and and, and like the they, they were so confusing like because they had their own like code that they would have on there like like just like the letters and abbreviations they would use for everything it was like reading a personal ad uh, what i always hated was okay now i don't know if this happened in other areas but i'm going to assume it did because just the way tv guides were printed obviously and there's going to be those that don't even remember what a tv guide is by the way brian we have to realize that too we're that old <laughs> but but tv guides were printed for each locality so Sometimes I'd see like, oh, Star Trek is on black 19. You know, it, it'll it, it'll be a, a channel 19 and it'll be color, colored black. And it's like, I don't get black 19. Yeah, I, I hated that because like you'd look through and like you'd just be like looking at titles and you'd come across that one. And you're like, oh, I so want to like see. Uh, OK, this one, this one's white shaded 35. OK, on my cable, that's channel 20. Okay, I can watch that. Yeah, the numbers never corresponded to the TV guide. The actual cable numbers never corresponded to the channel number in the damn TV guide. Yeah, I always wondered, like, who whose channel numbers am I actually looking at here? Because they have way better cable than I do. <laughs> Every now and then, I was able to get some channels from Michigan, because I'm way up in the peninsula of Wisconsin. So Michigan is really only about 40, 50 miles away, but it's across water. And every now and then on a really clear or a really cloudy day, if you had the, the rabbit ears tuned just right, I could get some Michigan channels and watch like a Sansford and Son or a Star Trek or something that I wouldn't normally be able to watch. It, it believe me, it is worth it going that far out of your way to watch a good episode of Sanford. I'm thinking more Star Trek, but yeah. Psh, you keep your sci-fi. I want to see the exploits of a wacky black man and his uh, his son. I still... I, I caught yeah, some... that show. I, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I can't believe you want to talk differences between seventies and today. There was a joke in an episode of, of Sanford and son that I can't believe actually made it on the air in the seventies, let alone TV land did not edit out when they showed the Sanford and son episode as recently as a couple of years ago. Really? A black man ain't got a chance down here. I'm black. Well, you the judge. That don't count. <laughs> Listen, why don't you arrest some white drivers? I do. You do? Well, where are they? Look at all these niggas in here. Look around here. There's enough niggas in here to make a Tarzan movie. Oh, my God, Brian, huh? I don't know if my microphone is picking this up, but I'm making a very, very horrified face right at the moment. But that aired on TV in the 70s. It was like a primetime show. It's not even like it was on like After the Watershed or something. That, like, that was like, it's like, oh, it's 5 p.m. for Sanford. Yeah, and he, and he just made that joke, and I'm like, what the hell? Hell, there was a G.I. Joe episode. That the I again I couldn't believe the hub they probably missed it. There was an episode. You remember Dusty and Footloose, the characters on GI Joe? Yeah. 
they were, and this is right at the start of the episode, they're doing something in a desert, and Footloose goes over, or sorry, Dusty goes over and starts talking to, you know, a stereotypical Arab with the, the hat and everything. With a camel, and he comes back, the camel jockey just gave me this information. I just threw my hands up like, are you kidding me? We seek twin brothers riding vehicles similar to ours. Then, to the south, they ride that way. Our gratitude, Effendi. Me and the camel jockey got a lot in common. He loves the desert, same as I do. I words are are really not coming to mind right now. I, I I've lost them all, Josh. And see, we didn't even notice these offensive things when they were new. What it really boils down to is, you'd never be able to get away with a new episode of All in the Family using the same content from the seventies, could you? Oh Lord, no. You'd never be able to get that past standards and practices today. I mean, I I. <laughs> I remember, like, a lot of times, like, like I know it's not as big of a deal now, but, like, I remember uh, back, I, I think I was in, like, junior high or high school. I, I can't remember when exactly it was, but there was, like, an episode of, of uh, Chicago Hope. And, like, for weeks leading up to it, there was all this brouhaha in the media because they were going to use the S-H-I-T word. Yep. Ooh. Yep. I, I've got that episode on tape unedited. And I remember, like, there were like, this huge debate as to whether or not they should be able to air the episode. And, like, I think uh, the CBS channel that I actually picked up back in my hometown, it was actually out of uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. And I, I, I want to say that, that they didn't carry the episode. Like, they, they aired, like, a repeat or something. Because I, I, I think they were one of them that came down and was like, nope, we're not doing it. Sorry. Do, well, do you remember when NY, did you get NYPD Blue right away or not? Uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Because NYPD Blue, for almost the first six or seven episodes, almost a third of the country, country's ABC affiliates, would not carry NYPD Blue due to its content. Yeah, I remember, like, they, they made a, a, a big deal, uh, uh, around my, my hometown, like, the, the newspaper about it, because, like, they, they were, like, trying to get people to, like, sign, like, petitions and stuff to get, a. Uh, the local affiliate to kind of, you know, change their mind about the decision. It's like, I, I didn't get it. I'm like watching, like, this show is, is it's pretty good. Like, it's like, this is what I would expect out of a movie, except I get to watch it once a week and it's new stuff. I'm like, why do people want to try to stop this? But speaking of Chicago Hope, do you realize that back in the first season, they actually showed full frontal female nudity with no brouhaha? What? A, a, a woman got injured and her her breasts got cut off in an accident and she had reconstructive surgery and there was a quick shot of her looking at her reconstructed breasts in a mirror and no one threw up no one threw up in arms because the context was tasteful. Oh, is that how we distinguish that now? <laughs> uh, no, uh, apparently that's what David E. Kelly said. The no one threw no one threw their arms up in the air because the 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 way that they showed the nudity, it made sense in the story, and it was a tasteful way to tackle that issue. Hell, it comes down to the breast cancer episode of St. Elsewhere back in, like, 85. They actually got a tape from the American Breast Cancer Research Institute of, of a woman doing, like, a self-examination, and the network said, okay, you can air it for, like, four seconds, you know, the, the naked breast. And they said, but could you find a woman with a smaller nipple? And Bruce Paltrow just, th he's just like, no, look, 
I got sent this by the American Cancer Society. I'm not going to go back to them and tell them, can you find an actress with a smaller nipple? This is ridiculous. I, I love the way that, that studio executives and TV executives think. It's like, this is nice, but it's testing a little funny due to the size of her aerial. Like, could you, if you could adjust that, please. There was the Hill Street Blues episode where it was okay to have a guy that had a heart attack while banging a sheep. But where they drew the line was they had to put a bow tie on the sheep and add a line of dialogue that made the sheep's name Fifi because homosexual bestiality was not okay. It was okay if it was a heterosexual bestial relationship. Even David Milch, who wrote that episode, was dumbfounded at that. I I appreciate the storylines they used to come up with on TV, but what the hell? <laughs> Well, Hill Street Blues was always out there. Hill Street Blues was actually the definition of unpredictable scripted TV. You know, because they're cops. A character can die at any time. You know, nowadays in a cop show or like ER or something, character's going to die. There's all this foreshadowing and build up. No. In Hill Street Blues, like the episode where Harris, you know, you know Mark Metcalf, the what do you want to do with your life guy from the Twisted Sister videos. Yeah. He was in the early episodes and he was a he was a pretty regular character. And in one episode he's patting down a hooker and he grabs her breasts and turns to wink at his partner and she pulls out a straight razor and slashes his throat and it happens just that quick. And there's there's character's dead. And that's something you you grew to appreciate. Basically, if you were in the opening credits of Hill Street Blues, that didn't mean you were going to survive to the end of the episode. <laughs> that's what I call good TV. When anything can happen, it's like Joe Bob Briggs used to say, anyone can die at any time. I genuinely enjoy that. I, I, I yeah, Hill Street Blues was just one that I, I never watched when it was on. Like, I just, it was one, I, yeah, I just, I never picked up. With the exception of hairstyles and technology, it still, still totally holds up today. Huh, I need to kind of uh, see if I can find some of that. Oh, the first two seasons are on DVD, and they didn't sell well, so they stopped putting them out. So I can bootleg you the rest of them, but, but the first two seasons are just absolutely phenomenal. And the technology will knock you on your ass right away. When, when the detectives have to call in, and they run to a pay phone and have to drop, you know, do you got a dime? <laughs> you know, because everyone's so used to cell phones with their cops today. If I, you I... can get past the technology and the afros... You'll be able to get into the show, which which I enjoy that though because that that's one thing that I think is is actually really lacking in in shows now is the inconvenience of of the process. You know, it's like 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 shows like well like twenty four for the longest time. That's one thing that I I didn't like about it was the fact that everything was just so damn convenient. You know, he whips out his cell phone, makes a phone call. They look up all this stuff, call him right back 30 seconds later. It's like, there was none of that. Did you ever see that Funny or Die uh, 24, the 1994 pilot that they made, that little, like, four- or five-minute sketch? Oh, yeah, I, I, I loved that one. Yeah, that was it, brilliant. They was dead on, wasn't like, it? Half this, half the sketch is him running back and forth to pay phones, like, like, ah, oh, damn it, still waiting for Prodigy to load. <laughs> and then the dot matrix printer, and they're tearing the edges off, and they rip the document in half. <laughs> no. And his, even his hair was 1994. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed that. It's like that's what I'm talking about. Like, like, 
everything now is, is really convenient. Like, there's honestly been uh, I've noticed here the past couple of years a lot of movies that are that are for no reason other than that setting themselves in like the late '80s, early '90s, just because that way you can work around the fact like. Like, well, why doesn't he just pull out his cell phone and make a call? Why does you know, why does he just jump on the internet and ask you know Google, like, hey, what's up with this? Hey, see, like, I'd rather they do that than than like Jeepers Creepers. I can't get a signal. Yeah, I, 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 I'm much, I'm much better suited with like you know, it, it, make it look as little like the '80s as you really want. I don't care, but you know, as long as they establish like it's like, up, oh, yeah, it's the '80s. We don't have cell phones. I'm good. Yeah, that that whole. Like, like, oh, really? You, you're ten miles outside of town, and you can't get a cell signal. That's convenient. Well, my my wife was watching a cold case a while ago, and the the case they were investigating was from like eighty two or something like that. And so one of the older detectives is given the details, and he says, like, you know, the person that called it in ran three blocks to find a working payphone because they were in a, like a slum. The, the younger detectives were like three blocks for a payphone, and he goes, "It was nineteen eighty two." Cell phones were science fiction, moron. To to them, cell phones have always existed. Yeah, well, and that's like the sort of thing. Like, like I kind of deal with that actually in my job a lot. Is like people will come up to me uh, at the hotel and ask me like, it's like, hey, where's the nearest payphone? I'm like, I have to like honestly stop and think. I'm like, uh, crap. Are there even any downtown anymore? Like, it's like uh, I think there's one in like the train station. I don't know. I I remember when I worked at a hotel in the early 2000s. No, no, actually it was right before 2000 because I got fired on on uh, the first day of 2000, and they removed all the payphones. As that that early, they had taken all the payphones out of the hotel. Yeah, when uh, the the hotel I work at, when I first started there a few years back, they uh, they still had like all of the uh, like the the little like privacy booths that they had built for the phones but then they were just all gone they were just like this giant bare spots on all the wall they had no idea what to do with those little rooms they're like well we took the phones out now you know what i'm actually thinking of the scene in dragnet the movie where they're looking for the payphone in the park <laughs> <laughs> and they find one where the phone's gone one that has no receiver and then the one with the receiver that they pick up the wire just pops right out of the back and he goes it's for you it's the president because like I, I remember like getting warned by like like my uh, my mom was like I mean, she, I mean she's the sort of like you know if she hears anything like it's like oh yeah you got to check Halloween candy they put razor blades in it you know like she she kind of believes that kind of stuff like so like that was always the thing like she always like told me growing up was like it's like never stick your finger in like the change uh, the change return on a on a payphone that people put like used syringes in there and stuff like that I'm like uh, is, she, <laughs> is she a Fox News viewer or what? <laughs> Uh, no comment. <laughs> that means yes. That means absolutely she is. No, I mean she. It was, and she. She's a, cons- a conspiracy theorist to the nth degree. I mean, anything like that anyone has ever believed to be a conspiracy, she she goes for. She just. She, I think one, she likes that sort of stuff, and two, she just. Yeah, I don't know. Erring on the extreme side of caution slash paranoia. <laughs> What would you like to say to those that are too young to remember what it's like having to try and desperately look for more tinfoil to crunch on the rabbit ears when in the, in the middle of a thunderstorm you start to lose the Hammer movie you're watching at 3 in the morning? <laughs> you t- come on, you tell me you didn't do that experience I just described? No, absolutely I did. 
I just lived in a really crap area. Like, like literally, like using uh using like just our our aerial. I think we could pull in like three channels. Like we were just out in the middle of nowhere. NBC, ABC, and on a good day, CBS. Until you didn't even we, until pull your PBS cable. in. You didn't even pull PBS in. Uh, well, I, I think we well, I think we had to uh, uh for our area, you had to switch it over to like the UHF band. Oh, because I was gonna say at least you could watch old Doctor Who's and British comedies or something. So yeah, but, it's, uh, it, what it boils down to is it's a totally different TV environment for the kids today. Oh, and, Lord, and by like, kids, I'm talking teenagers. Like I, I can't even think of like something that's really like uh, an easy comparison. Like I guess like well, like how you you were saying there with your uh, dish, you know, like those odd times where there's a storm that just happens to be bad enough to where it's always saying searching for signal. Like, like that, that's the best comparison I can come up with. Like, it's just, it's just so different. Like so convenient now, like hell if, if something happens like, like on my Xbox and I can't watch Netflix, I just look over at my computer screen five feet away. Like it's, it's just, everything is so convenient. Whereas like, I don't know. Like it just seemed like growing up, like like you had to like struggle. Like if you if you didn't have TV, like if you didn't have like the TV guide that week, or if you couldn't find it, you just didn't know what was happening in the world. There is a small small advantage to the analog pre satellite and cable. Now, if there's a thunderstorm, you lose signal. Right back then, you remember the day when there'd be a bad thunderstorm and you'd get lots of snow and ghosting and possibly even another channel kind of ghosting its way in, but you could still watch the Mission Impossible or whatever you were trying to watch? <laughs> I got that a lot. That happened a lot on our ABC. Like, So that always happened like during like MacGyver. Yeah, it, was just, it, was, it would always like bleed through, but especially ABC. like It always had that going on. Uh, all right. Where can we find Brian Lewis? Uh, you can find me over at thecinemasnob.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. My weekly column, Sanity is Razor Thin, at geekjuicemedia.com. My monthly column, The Shadows of Pop Culture, in Scene Magazine, if you're in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. And I hope Brian and I reminiscing about the old days of cable and TV and stuff you can't say on TV anymore brought some of you back, or if you weren't alive showed you a little glimpse of why you all suck as teenagers today. We we had to work for our entertainment, god damn it. You damn kids and your fax machines and your hula hoops. Let there be sound, and there was.